Good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star as we continue this series through the life of Elijah. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, is where we're gonna camp out today, 1 Kings 18. On your way in, you were given a little sermon note sheet that's just got a blank. You can fill in there. If you want to go down and scan the QR code, that will take you to our notes, or you can pull out the app and North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store, and it will have all our notes right there. Elijah has lived quite a life. We found Elijah, young guy from this little nowhere town, a little nobody guy who God says, hey, Elijah, I got a job for you. And he sent Elijah to King Ahab to tell him there would neither be, because of all the false gods, there would neither be dew nor rain in the area. And, I, and Ahab, the king, now has it in for Elijah. So sure enough, they go into a drought. Well, Elijah goes to the Cherith Brook, God sends him away because he's a wanted man and he's taking care of it a brook and the ravens feed him, which we know the ravens don't even feed their own young and the ravens take care of him until the brook dries up and Elijah now has to be on the run again. He sends him to the widow's house and when he gets to the widow's house, she is preparing her very last meal for her and her son. And Elijah comes in and says, I, I need something to drink and something to eat, and I would like to have it first. Sounds like a college student coming home, all right? And so I'd like, to, I'd like to have it first. And so sure enough, she provides it, and God provides for the widow and her son for a time. And then her son passes away, and she turns and blames Elijah. And Elijah scoops the boy up, he goes to his upstairs bedroom, he lays the boy down, he begins to pray over him, and the boy resurrects. It's a miracle. And they all enjoyed the bounty of that miracle. And then God comes back to him and said, all right, it's time. I want you to go to the mountain. I want you to call all the prophets of Baal, which means false gods, little g gods, and we're gonna have a showdown, which is what the video is about, on the mountain. And they did. Elijah's God, the one true God, sent fire the Baal gods, they, they couldn't do anything because they don't, they don't answer. But Elijah's not done. And behind the scenes of Elijah's life, we see Elijah begin to pray like we wish we prayed, all right? So just set a baseline this morning. How many of you would say you grew up in church and you have learned about prayer probably for the majority of your life, you've heard the term prayer. Raise your hand if that's true, all right? So I would say that you all had a drug problem. You were drug on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, right? So I didn't get a choice when I was growing up. They're, my parents were not into choices. They were into yanking my sorry rear end to church, all right? And so went to church, knew all about prayer. Yes or no, is prayer a powerful tool that God left for us, yes or no? How many of you would say, though, I don't use that tool near like I could? If that's you, would you raise your hand? That's me. It's powerful. It's real. It makes a difference. And I don't use it. I know it works. I know God answers. But yet I find myself 
me, a paid person who finds myself going, I don't pray near enough, strong enough, or hard enough. We learn some principles from Elijah that are life-changing. Would y'all stand with me? Reading God's word together, 1 Kings chapter 18. We're gonna start reading in verse 41. If at any point I'm, I'm saying something, you're not reading it, just look up, we'll chat about it for a second, and then we'll dive back in. Here we go. Elijah says to Ahab, Ahab the king, all right, just make sure we're all, because it may be your first week and you haven't been in the story, is Ahab a good guy or bad guy? Bad guy. Elijah says to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Basically, Elijah goes, Ahab, run in, get your little Chick-fil-A, if it's not Sunday, go to Zaxby's, the other chicken. All right, and so you going into town, get you something to eat or drink. Because I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. It has not rained in three years. I remember in June, I looked back to my backyard and it was brown as brown could be. And we have had, so whoever of y'all is still praying for rain, you can stop now, all right? And so it's raining nonstop. It's like, good night. We've had enough rain. They hadn't seen rain in three years. He tells Ahab, you go get you something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. We're gonna reference that here in a second. So Ahab, he went to eat and drink. Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, which is where the victory happened, and he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, I want you to go look towards the sea. What do you think Elijah was praying for? What do you think he was praying for? He was praying for rain, right? The servant went and looked. He returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. It's not the answer Elijah wanted, right? He's expectantly hoping there are clouds on the horizon because he just sent the king who hates him in to get something to eat, telling him rain's coming. So look at what happened. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, this is, this is really interesting if you think about it. The servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the, the size of a man's hand rising over the sea. So the way Mount Carmel was situated, you can look out over the Mediterranean, and he saw, he said, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you look out over the sea, a cloud about the size of a man's hand ain't real big. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, it's not like you're like, holy smokes, there's a storm coming. You weren't thinking that. He's like, I see a cloud. Listen, when I go on vacation, if I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, that's a good day. I don't want to see dark clouds, right? Listen to what happened. Then Elijah shouted. This is really interesting. Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb in your chariot. You better get back home. If you don't hurry, the rain's going to stop you. Soon, the sky was black. Heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly 
for Jezreel. So he gets in his chariot. He's getting slogged down in his chariot now. And the Lord gave a special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak, this long cloak that he wore, he tucked it in his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot. All I've got in my mind, and this is terrible, is Forrest Gump. That's what I've got in my brain there. He just tucks it up and he starts booking it. 17 miles, he outran the chariot to Jezreel. That's crazy. He'd have done really good at the NFL combine. I mean, he is, he is booking it. He's booking it. Ahab has just seen the effect of a man who believes that prayer works. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing, you know your heart, you know your life way better than I do. Would you tell the Lord what you need today from him? Maybe it's to strengthen your faith a little deeper. Maybe it's to trust him a little more. Maybe it's to use the tool of prayer for more than just something over meals. Father, you left this story in Scripture for us to know it happened. But Father, ultimately, you left this story in Scripture for us to learn the power that Elijah felt. Father, I pray over these few minutes that we have together that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we met with you. God, I pray we walk out of this room and wherever we're watching online this morning and we know we're a little deeper than we could have been if we hadn't been here. So Father, bless our time and I pray it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, before you're seated, turn around and say the Braves need to sweep today. Y'all need to do that. It's very important to my prayers. We need to put that, in the, put that in the list. The Mets are coming to town tomorrow and they take care of business today. All right, here you go. Let's talk about it. So, Elijah had seen God do some powerful things. You think about being up on that mountain, calling down the fire of God, taunting the Baal gods, right? And all their prophets saying, you can keep calling. Was your, has, your, has your God gone to the bathroom? I mean, where is he at? Why is he not answering? Elijah believed beyond a shadow of a doubt his God would answer, and he did. I would love a faith that deep. Let's, let's walk back a little bit in Elijah's journey. Yes or no? Do you think that when Elijah was living by a brook being taken care of by ravens, he prayed some desperate prayers that God would protect him and take care of him? Y'all think yes or no? Do you think that when Elijah, when the brook dried up and Elijah didn't know where his next food or his next meal was gonna come from, and God goes, I'm gonna send you to a widow's house, and she's gonna sustain you, and he went, and this lady is eating, and this was her words, not mine, I'm eating my last meal. 
for me and my son before we die. That's what she said. I'm eating the last meal before we die. And he told her, if you'll give me something to eat and, get, and drink and you'll trust me that the Lord has sent me, God's gonna take care of you. Do you think he prayed desperate prayers that God would take care of them, yes or no? Do you think when he was up on that bed and that lady's son had died, do you think that he prayed desperately that God would breathe life back into that boy, yes or no? Do you think when he was on the mountain and it's 450 to one, it ain't like he's got a big group. It's not like he's, you know, Barney Fife up there with Andy out in front of him, right? He's, he's all by himself and he's taunting them, do you think he prayed desperately, yes or no, that God would come through? Isn't it funny? We want the power of Elijah's prayers, and I want you to write this down, but we don't want the journey Elijah had. So I don't know if Elijah from Tishbeth would have prayed like the Elijah now on Mount Carmel. We don't know anything about his hometown. We don't know anything about it. I have a feeling it was probably a lot easier than the life he's living now. Tim Keller, great writer, pastor, author, he said this. I want you to write this down. The power of prayer lies in our knowledge of God. Our power in prayer lies in our knowledge of God, meaning the more I know about God, the more I know I can trust him. The power of prayer lies in our knowledge of God, meaning if I know God this deep, my prayers are gonna be this deep. Elijah had carved out a deep knowledge of God because God was the only one that could rescue him. God was the only one that could take care of him. God was the only one that could sustain him. And if you look back to your journey, God will take your darkest moments when you're desperate and carve out a depth of prayer you can't get any other way. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, thank you, all right, I guarantee you, means a lot, all right, so I guarantee you, Elijah wish he could have read this in a book. You can't get this prayer from a book. You can only get this prayer from going, it's all I got, and I gotta hold on to it. I don't even know if Elijah knew this, but I want you to write this down and we're gonna dive in our notes. You're like, holy smokes, we haven't gotten the notes yet. Hold on. All right, so I want you to, want you to write this down. The, break, the game doesn't start to 110. Y'all are fine. You, are, you, gotta, you got plenty of time. I want you to write this little thought down. Ready? Prayer is the ultimate sign of our trust in the Lord. Would you write that down? Prayer is the ultimate sign of trust in the Lord. Therefore, you don't have to write this down. When I don't pray, I'm not trusting the Lord. Prayer is the ultimate sign 
of trust in the Lord. It's when I go, God, you can, I can't. God, you've got this, I don't. And it goes against everything in human nature. Everything in human nature is to take care of it ourselves. Prayer is the ultimate sign of trust in the Lord. Not saying, I believe prayer works. It's saying, I pray. So what did Elijah do? Just a couple of little thoughts. What did Elijah learn that made his prayer so powerful? We learned this from Elijah. Number one, he got alone with God. You gotta get alone with God. He went up to the top of Mount Carmel, right where the victory happened. Elijah went back up there, and here's the key, right? He was alone. He was alone. So, for those of you I do not know, all right, as well, I love people. Like, I don't like being alone. I like to be by myself be with a group of people. So this past week, I went and spoke at an FCA leadership camp at St. Simon's, and I was by myself. Ann didn't get to go because we were heading out of town later, and she wasn't able to go, and so I was alone. And I don't like being alone. I don't, it's creepy to me. I don't, I feel weird, right? So I go out to rec time, the first, I don't know anything about this camp. I've never done it before. Go out to rec time, and I'm hanging around, and I notice it's girls only rec time and I'm the only guy on the field. All right, that's creepy. All right, and so I'm just walking around. I'm like, this is why I don't like being by myself. I don't like, listen, I can't meet with God if I've got lots of people around me. I gotta get alone. Jesus separated himself from his disciples. You have got to find the time. Here's why. I want you to write this little thought down. I can't hear from the Lord when there are distractions. And we live in a life of distractions, don't we? Yeah, I look back at my parents' generation. They've both gone on to be with the Lord. But I remember when dad left work and he got home, he'd leave at six in the morning and he'd get home at five or six every night, seven o'clock at night, but phone never rung unless it was an emergency from work. And when he got home on Friday, he didn't get calls. He didn't check emails. I didn't have that back then. Now, okay, this is self-admittance. How many of you, the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning is you look at your what? How many of y'all say that's true of you? You just answered, so you know, all right? You just said, it. it's funny. I'm, I'm the same way, isn't it? And here's the crazy part. What I do in the first five minutes of my day will determine a lot of how my day's gonna go. And here's, here's a little thought. I want you to write this down. Whose voice do I hear first? The world's? Listen, I have nothing against the phone. I have nothing against social media. I have nothing against it. If it's put in the proper perspective. But how many times do I hear what the world says first, not what God says first? The first five minutes of my day will determine my day. Do I get up and go straight to the MLB app and see whether the Mets won or not last night? You're like, Mike, that doesn't matter. Oh, it does. All right, and so, but it doesn't matter that much, right? Elijah figured this out. Look at me. Every great character of Scripture 
figured out how to get alone with God. If you don't carve this time, listen to me, don't expect a depth you do not carve out. So if you want power in your prayer life, you have got to get alone. I want you to write just two things down. We're not gonna develop them when you still have time. Find a place and find a time. Find a place and time. There's a reason every summer for 30, I started ministry in 1991. So in 1991, I was a 22-year-old, actually half-cool person. I'm 53 now, and I still do youth camps. Here's why I do them. I do them because when I get to those places, there's typically very little internet. There's not a TV in the room I was in. And if I go back in my journey, seven of the 10 times God's done the biggest work in my life have been at places he had my full attention. Does that make sense to everybody? Get alone, get alone. So while I'm here, I have to, and I'm an early bird. I mean, I start my day early, 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 as early as I can get going. But before that day starts and I meet with somebody, I've got to get alone with God. Can you imagine, how would you feel? You called me at seven and you said, Mike, I've got a crisis I'm dealing with. Do you have any advice for me? What kind of advice would I give if I hadn't met with God first? I'd give you what I thought, which ain't gonna get you much. You gotta get alone with God. Number two, ready? Humble yourself. I love this. Elijah bowed to the, low to the ground and he prayed with his face between his knees. Literally, Elijah got in the fetal position. And here's the humbleness. I want you to write this little phrase down. God, I can't and you can God, I can't, you can. Simon Peter, the one disciple that probably could write the least about humility early in his journey, he said it like this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I want you to think about Elijah. Elijah was coming off the greatest victory of his life in his ministry. But Elijah didn't for a second think he had anything to do with it. Listen, if there was ever a time Elijah could have poked out his chest and gone, look at me, look at me. It was 450 to one. And, I, and listen, it wasn't like they, you know, said, hey, 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 goodbye, you know, waved off. They killed those prophets. He was the standing, reigning Champion, but Elijah never bought into his own press clippings. Do you know more people fall after a great high than after a great low? Elijah humbled himself before the Lord. Every time you pray, it is the ultimate reminder, God, you've got this and I don't. Number three, ready? Be specific, be specific. 
later on in the third year of the drought, God said to Elijah, hey, go present yourself to Ahab and tell him I'm soon gonna send rain. I want you to write a little thought down, ready? God can handle my specific prayers. Specific. Not God, I, I pray today that you bless me and you bless my children. And you, listen, be specific. How many of you have things in your life right now you need God to come through for? Raise your hand, right? Could be your marriage. It could be a job. It could be your children. Could be your finances. I mean, it's specific. I'm saying it and you're thinking it. You know it right now. It may be moving and buying a house. It may be you put an offer in on, whatever it is. Be specific. God wants you to be specific. Why? Because when you're specific, you are truly taking your hands off of it and you're putting it in his hand. If I'm not specific, I'm going, well, God, I don't, wanna, I don't want you, I don't want people to think you let me down. Listen, God can handle that. Be specific. I, Ann was in the last service, so I always keep pointing over here because this is where she sits. The most specific prayers we prayed in our life have been over our children. Specifically, when they began to grow up, move out of the house, go into college, and they're not under your control anymore, right? I mean, they're out on their own. And man, we prayed specific prayers over them. Prayed for find the right friends, find the right career. God, send that mate for them. And we've been praying that for years. I remember when Mary Michael graduated and she hadn't met somebody at Liberty and you know, you're like, man, there's 15,000 kids up there that know the Lord and you just, you didn't meet somebody. What's it gonna be like? She moves to Atlanta and we're just praying. And I remember the day she called, she said, I've met a guy, we're going out on a date. Just pray that it goes well. And she comes back, it was awesome. They keep dating, they keep dating. We meet the guy, we fall in love with this kid. We just fell in love with him. And they're dating, and he hadn't asked her to marry him. And it's been a while now, and I'm like, are we gonna have to get involved in this thing? All right, do I need to, do I need to encourage him? And I remember the day that he called me. He said, Mr. Mike, could we meet uh, for coffee? And I don't drink coffee, but could we meet for coffee? And, and I, I just need to ask you a question. And I said, sure. And so we met up at Starbucks here in Ackworth, which was really awkward because there's all these people I knew around us, and, and we're sitting there. And he's like, I just wanted to see if I could ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. I want, and this is his line, I wanna spend the rest of my life taking care of her. And I went, I want you to spend the rest of your life taking care of her, but I don't think you know what you're getting into, right? I don't think she's, she's expensive and, and all these kind of things. But he was what we have been praying for since that little girl came home from the hospital. I just didn't know he was bo being born in South Korea. And then his family was gonna move to Georgia and he was gonna be working in Gwinnett County and he was gonna be specific. And I'll tell you this, God outpunted our prayers with our kids. I wonder what other things God could have outpunted if I'd have been that specific in other things. Does that make sense to everybody? Principle number four. 
expect God to answer. Okay, this is, <laughs> time out. Let's step out of the sermon real quick. If you grew up in a certain denomination, it affects how you pray. So I grew up Baptist. That's how I grew up. How many other recovering Baptists are in the room? All right, amen. That's right. The fellowship of the unashamed. All right, and so we're in, we're in here. And this isn't the dominant. I'm just, we're almost taught not to expect too much. Don't test God too much. And listen, I, North Star's a Baptist church theologically. I'm telling you, Scripture's full of God saying, I will answer your prayers, trust me. We just don't wanna trust. We like to do it ourselves. Expect God to answer. Why does God answer so big when groups, or we just had a group get back from Guatemala. Why have we seen God do answers to amazing things overseas? Because if he doesn't do it, there's nobody else to do it. I told this story first service. There was a gentleman who came here to church for years named Scott Evans. Um, Scott was a rock of North Star, he and his family, and Scott ended up passing away of cancer a few years ago. But I remember Scott and Danny Heffern and one of our uh, hospitality guys here in the back, he was on the mission trip. They were in the jungles of Nicaragua building a roof on top of a church that they had built. And Scott said, Mike, it was so hot. We couldn't sit up there to put the roof on. And he and Danny came down here after the service and he said, I remember specifically, we got on top of that roof and we said, God, we need you to send some shade. And Scott said, I'm telling you, Mike, we looked up and a cloud just hovered over us all day. Boy, we put that roof on. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I hope y'all clap better than that at the Braves game today. But anyway, so <laughs> be specific and expect God to answer. Now, he may not always answer like we like. Sometimes he says yes. He said yes to Elijah. Yes. He sent the rain. Sometimes he says no. No. I had children. I loved my kids all. I didn't give them everything. That's where a lot of times they didn't know what they were asking for. It just wasn't good for them. And I said no. Some of you, you thought you were gonna marry, and for some of you college kids, you think this is the person I'm gonna marry, and God says no, and y'all split, and it doesn't work, and then 20 years later, you're gonna see them on Facebook and go, Lord, thank you, all right, for, for that protection and covering. But they're looking at you going, Lord, thank you for that protection and covering, right? And so he says no, because it's not for our best. Sometimes he says not now, not now. It's interesting he didn't send the rain the first time they went and looked for it. How many times did he go look? And I, boy, I bet you old Elijah at about time six is going, all right, God, this is put up a shut up time. Ahab's gonna be done eating here shortly and he's coming back. Final point, number five, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. 
Some of you have been praying for a parent, a child that's not walking with the Lord. I sat with two parents at camp this week till late, 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 late in the night who are desperately praying for their son to come home to the Lord. That's you. You know. Don't stop. As long as a period's not there, it's still a comma. Story isn't over. Don't give up. Keep grabbing on the Lord. And that seventh time, that servant goes, Elijah, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah goes, oh, God's answering. You know how he knew God was gonna answer? God always keeps his promises. He knew he was gonna answer. He said, prepare, go tell Ahab, get his chariots ready. The cloud was this big. It was enough for Elijah. Because he knew, if you hold on, I can trust him. It's funny, prayers are born out of a desperateness. There's a great writer through the ages that has influenced generations. He's, he's sort of the, he's written the treatise on prayer. His name was Ian Bounds. He said, true prayers are born of present trials and present needs. Bread for today is bread enough. Bread given for today is the strongest sort of pledge. Theirs will be bread tomorrow. Victory today is the assurance of victory tomorrow. Our prayers need to be focused upon the present. We must trust God today. Leave tomorrow entirely with him. The present is ours. The future belongs to him. Prayer is the task and duty of each recurring day. Daily prayer for daily needs and every day demands it. Would y'all pray with me? Would you just tell the Lord where you are and where you want to be? Would you? you left us the story not for us to just go oh that's cool but to go what do I do with this how do I handle this what's what's this saying to me God we sit here as a church today 25 years on the prayers of people who knelt in rooms when there wasn't even a name for this. But they cried out that you would build a church to reach people that don't even know they want to go to church. God, who's depending on our prayers? And what are we doing? God made this week we take one step closer to you and meet you every day. 
pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So last night in my yard, 2017, I had a group of guys, pro scouts and college baseball coaches that said, we want to start a Bible study on Zoom. Who knew what Zoom was in 2017? We started with four guys. When May ended, we had 90. Last night, we gathered in my yard, 20 of them that are in town for a tournament. We ate, most 70% of them, I've never met in my life. I just see their little box. They're getting out of their cars from Pennsylvania and North Carolina and South Carolina, driving up my little house out here in West Cobb. And man, we're hugging each other's necks. Man, they're answered prayers. But we have a line we use every Monday. This is the line. Let's get up, lock eyes with Jesus and walk one more step towards him. Every day when we open our, our, our God's word, we're locking eyes with Jesus. That's what we're doing. How many of you would say, Mike, when I have a major prayer need, there are specific people that I call that I know will pray for me. Raise your hand. They're prayer warriors, aren't they? And you know they are. They don't walk up to you and go, here's a card of mine, I'm a prayer warrior. All right, here's a card of mine, I'm a prayer warrior. No, we just know. Like, they don't advertise, they don't walk around with a sign or a prayer warrior shirt. We just know. One of them is my mother-in-law, prayer warrior. I mean, she grabs hold of God. So I want to ever make her mad, right? And she grabs hold of the Lord, and she, she prays. The other was our youth pastor, Steve and Amy down here. We all grew up in the same youth group. He prays the darkest day of my life, darkest day. Without a doubt, was on a Tuesday. 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, I gotta talk to somebody. And I call my youth pastor, and I ain't close to being a youth, youth anymore. I'm a grown man. I call my youth pastor and I said, Huey, I need you. And I need you to pray. This is what he said. I've already prayed for you today. I said, what do you mean? He said, Mike, I've been praying for you every Tuesday since I met you in 1984. This is in the early 2000s. He said, I've prayed for you every Tuesday. And I drove down the next day to meet with him and he brought his little prayer journal. And there's my name on a Tuesday. And he had written in Ann's name and Casey's name and Mary Michael's name. And he said, every Tuesday I pray over you. I already prayed for you. You think I call Hugh when I need prayer? You bet I do. Wouldn't it be something if people came and found you and said, hey, I, I know you pray. What? Well, never say, I know you pray. Would you pray for me? That's the kind of life we all need to live, isn't it? Seth Godin, the great business writer, says we don't become an expert in anything until we spend 10,000 hours doing it. I wonder if prayer is the same way. After 10,000 hours meeting with Jesus, our faith might be pretty deep. And he therefore makes sure in our lives that we need to meet with him. My prayer over you is that you pray. Not, dear God, give me today. That's not, that's a token, man. I'm talking, grabbing the feet of Jesus, going, I need you do that, it'll change your life. You do that, it'll change the church's life.